We're in a period of very heightened tensions. No kidding, right? Those aren't my words. Those are the words of Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey, who yesterday testified to Parliament that it's not 2007-2008, but that doesn't necessarily mean we don't need to be vigilant. As he said, I don't think we're at all in the place we were in 2007-2008, a very different place, but we have to be very vigilant. We are in a period of very heightened tension and alertness, and we will go on. We see some evidence of some tightening credit conditions, but we do not see a critical development in that respect. We always take into account credit conditions when setting monetary policy. Now, they don't see anything bad, but they see heightened tensions. But what are these heightened tensions? What does that actually mean? That's an incredibly vague term. In fact, it's being used in this way, purposefully vague, left purposefully vague, because I don't think policymakers really know either. This is nothing new between, say, the last time in 2007 and 2008 and today. And just today in markets, we got another reminder of very heightened tensions. If you're watching T-bill rates, as I do, and as I urge you all to do, what you saw was another scramble for collateral. Today was just a regular scramble for collateral, but a regular scramble for collateral is not good either. It was nowhere near the epic scramble, the epic collateral runs that we saw in the middle of this month, especially on March 15th. But still, the fact that we have a scramble for collateral at all now, uh, today, Yesterday, we continue to get them, is a particularly worrisome sign of very heightened tensions. But we're going to be specific about what that means. I'm going to talk about scrambles for collateral. I'm going to talk about where they come from and what they mean. Why is this a key part of heightened tensions? And not really tensions, but illiquidity. Serious illiquidity. Crisis level illiquidity. But first... I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, want to understand collateral, how it plays such a central role in the monetary system, how it came to be that way, I've got Eurodollar University memberships available for you. Check out our website, eurodollar.university. Also, research subscriptions where we talk a lot about collateral too. Wouldn't you know it? T-bill rates, that kind of thing. A daily briefing, a partnership with Markets Insider Pro. We go over the day's macro developments as well as oftentimes what are we seeing in collateral. Daily deep dive analysis at Eurodollar University's website too. Talk a lot about collateral at Euro in the deep dives too. Uh, so everything that you want to know about modern money, how it actually works, not modern monetary theory because there is no money, no, it's not modern, it isn't really much of a theory, but modern money, how it has been practiced for a very long period of time, Look for us at eurodollar.university. So as I mentioned, scramble for collateral just today, this morning, just so you know, today is Tuesday. No, today is Wednesday. Oh my, it's Wednesday, March 29th. And what we saw was at around 2.30 a.m., this is typical, Around 2.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, so that's UTC minus 4, I believe. Uh, check my math there. We saw the T-bill rate, four-week T-bill rate, start to decline relatively sharply, and it went down about five or six basis points from where it had been. Now, that's, in the grand scheme of things, when conditions are normal, a five or six basis point uh, move in T-bill rates is 
pretty extreme. That's something that gets your attention. That's something that tells you this is not right here. And then, you know, it started around 2.30 a.m. T-bill yield fell 5, 6 basis points, which means price went up, so a premium being paid for treasury bills. And then it all cleared up around 7 a.m., which is, as you'll see, pretty typical for these types of episodes. There was a bigger one, a much bigger one yesterday. That one started, though, around 8 a.m. As we've seen over the last couple weeks, these scramble for collateral seem to be developing later in the morning, the worst ones later in the morning. And the one yesterday was far worse than the one today. It began around 8 in the morning, and the four-week T-bill rate dropped about 18 basis points, according to the pricing service I use. There's Prices are different at various places, but you, you saw the same, uh, same drop in yield, same big increase in price at the same time, no matter which service you did find. 18 basis points is a substantial, I wouldn't call it a scramble for collateral. That's boring on collateral run. And it stayed from around 8 a.m. Eastern time to around noon. So during the regular trading session, which is abnormal, but has become normal. And remember, the RRP rate currently is 4.8%. So if this was nothing, this was about anything other than, if this was only about investment returns, why would you be buying four-week treasury bills down around 4% when you can just park your funds at the RRP and get 4.8? Completely, utterly risk-free. In fact, it's so risk-free, it's collateralized. The Federal Reserve is giving you treasury collateral back for your parking for parking the funds. So we continue to see immense collateral strains frequently, not just in the scramble for collaterals, but just the general rate of treasury bills. Uh, the the four-week rate is down there. The eight-week rate, as of yesterday, 4.39%. The secondary market, 4.39. That's well below the RRP, way below the RRP. The three-month T-bill rate was equal to the RRP. So this is not about investments. It's about the utility of using treasury bills. And it's also something that we observed way back 15 marches ago in the wake of Bear Stearns. What you saw was treasury bill yields go down, especially the four-week bill, go down and stay down. Not just before Bear Stearns, which was about collateral, not short selling in stock, as I mentioned yesterday, as well as afterwards. T-bill rates didn't immediately normalize because very heightened tensions continued after Bear Stearns, even if authorities were unaware that they were there or what they specifically had been. Now remember, back in January 2008, the Federal Reserve had cut rates aggressively. In one less than two-week period, the the Fed cut its federal funds target rate by 75 basis points and then another 50. So 125 basis points in less than two weeks exactly what markets had been predicting beforehand, exactly what markets are predicting now, a rapid series of rate cuts because of very heightened tensions. That's what we're, that's what we're really talking about. Um, it's about illiquid, it's about lack of collateral flow that leads to a aggressive acute shortage that causes systemic disruptions like we saw in March 2008 and again in March of 2023 and March 2020, March low points. Back in March of 2008, uh, well, 
regulators were scrambling in the wake of Bear Stearns, they actually did understand on a, to a certain degree what had happened there. But uh, in a more, more accurate sense, they really didn't. They sort of saw what happened, but then didn't realize what it actually mean. To show you what I'm talking about here, I'm going to refer to a letter between, uh, written by SEC Chairman Christopher Cox. This is the same SEC which, as I talked about yesterday, would write about Bear Stearns when they were banning the short sales, uh, short stock sales on big banks in later July 2008, saying that Bear Stearns failed because of these, these rumors, speculation, short selling. Here's Christopher Cox, the chairman of the SEC, writing to the chairman of the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision, Dr. Wellink, about what happened, what he said happened to Bear Stearns. Here's from the letter. Notwithstanding that Bear Stearns continued to have high quality collateral to provide as security for borrowings, market counterparties became less willing to enter into collateralized funding arrangements with Bear Stearns. So from Cox's perspective, it must have been all these rumors because Bear had plenty of high quality collateral. But what was that high quality collateral? A ton of it was mortgage bonds, MBS. And even though those were not toxic waste, these were not subprime mortgage bonds, or these were not mortgage bonds derived from pools of subprime mortgages, they were prime mortgage bonds. Illiquidity in that marketplace had made that collateral, high quality or not, non-negotiable. What Bear Stearns did not have is enough liquid collateral that could be acceptable in repo on terms that would keep Bear Stearns in business. The SEC didn't understand it. The marketplace sure did. And as Bear Stearns led, was led all toward its ultimate demise, it really was, and afterward, the markets understood they needed, participants in it needed to hoard collateral, need to have access to the best collateral, including treasury bills. So in the wake of Bear Stearns' failure, that was March 14th, announced on March 17th of 2008. On March 18th, the four-week Treasury bill yield, closing yield, was 71 basis points, even though the Federal Reserve's Fed Funds target was 225, so substantially below the Fed's target range. Now, the back then, there was no reverse repo program, so things worked a little bit differently, but still, you can see the massive skew, massive demand for Treasury bills it wasn't about investments. It was even worse the following day, on March 19th, a Wednesday, the four-week T-bill rate yield, or the four-week T-bill yielded all of 26 basis points. Again, federal funds target of two and a quarter percent. March 30th, 37 basis points. March 24th, a week after, 67 basis points. Still huge demand for T-bills. Uh, March 25th, we finally got 147 basis points, and March April 1st, it was uh, April 1st, it was still 155. So even when things started to look more normal, you still had huge demand for treasury bills, depressing their yields well below other alternatives, or at least the Fed's target. Sound familiar? Uh, then into April, we saw by April 9th, the four-week T-bill rate fell to 106 basis points. April 14th, back into 85. April 22nd. More than a month later, the four-week T-bill rate, 72 basis points. Very heightened tensions. What that meant was collateral shortage didn't end with Bear Stearns. It only really began. Now, we don't have a whole lot of good data on repo and collateral, which is just an incredible shame 
because here we are 15 years later and we nobody even knows about collateral. They don't even know why what's going on with Tebow rates. I mean, SEC Chairman Cox had absolutely no clue what really happened with Bear Stearns. That, has, that level of ignorance hasn't changed today. We have repo fails, which help, and we won't get last week's repo fails until, ne- until tomorrow afternoon. I mentioned last week uh, another sort of indirect, uh, indirect indication, mostly focused offshore. That's U.S. Treasuries held in custody by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York on behalf of foreign institution owners. Uh, but we just, we just don't have a whole lot of data. So we're left looking at these T-bill rates, these T-bill prices going through the roof, and especially during these scramble for collaterals, what they can possibly tell us about what must be going on. But if you're seeing treasury bill prices skyrocket so much that the equivalent yield is 40, 50, 60, 70 basis points below something like the RRP, which is supposed to be a floor, it tells you scramble for collateral. Now that term isn't actually mine. It's something that came up in uh, July of 2021. It was a, a, a phrase coined by Ironically, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, a couple of researchers there, published a blog post called Interday Timing of General Collateral Repo Markets, which got some things right, helpful in telling us, in telling us you know, the background about why these scramble for collaterals happen in, during the time of day that they do, but not so much about where they're coming from. Here's what they wrote in July 2021. More recently, repo market participants have highlighted an early morning, quote, scramble for collateral due to an overabundance of cash. That's what they always say, right? There's an overabundance of cash. The Fed has flooded the world with reserves. No, that certainly isn't the case today. And it certainly was not the case way back in March of 2008 or at any other time where we've observed treasury bill yields well below any sort of alternatives. It's not an overabundance of cash, but what else is FRBNY going to say? As they continue, this imbalance has several drivers, including less interest on cash borrowing by leveraged accounts, continued increase in cash availability amid money market fund inflows and rising aggressive reserve balances, treasury bill paydowns. This has resulted in an increase in in more early morning and negative rate trading as dealers are willing to incur negative cash lending rates to obtain collateral. Forget all that stuff they just said. What they're saying is during these early morning scrambles for collateral, dealers are willing to overpay for collateral because there isn't enough of it in the marketplace. Now, why that's the case, we'll get into in just a second. It's not an overabundance of cash. But either way, it's just like any monetary shortage throughout history. You go back to some of the panics in the 19th century or the panic of 1907, for example, where the cash rate got to be a huge, huge premium, 4% paid on actual physical cash. Whenever cash is in low supply, inelastic, especially during emergencies, the premium paid on it will skyrocket. Collateral in this modern Euro dollar system is every bit a currency, a form of currency. It's one that's difficult to understand and to appreciate intuitively, but it is a currency. It's used as a currency. And the premium on that collateral, as in March 2008, as today, tells you that the amount of currency, useful, necessary currency in the system, is too low for the amount of demand. 
But why does it happen in these early mornings? Well, go back to FRBNY in July 2021. In the first quarter of 2021, we find that the median across days of the share of overnight treasury FICC DVP repo completed between 7 a.m. Eastern time when the market opens and 8.30 a.m. is 64%. So what they're saying is between 7 a.m. and 8.30 p.m., about two-thirds of repo trades get conducted. So you've got to be ready by 7 a.m. with all the collateral that you're going to need. You have to unwind everything that you owed yesterday, pay up any collateral calls that come in, and be ready for repo when it starts around 7 a.m. Now, 7 a.m. is not a specific hard time. Just by convention, that's when dealers and borrowers start to get together and transact. So between 7 a.m. and 8.30 a.m., two-thirds of repo transactions are being done. So from that, can we infer that the scramble of collateral runs that we've seen lately coming later in the day might mean even more heightened tensions in the marketplace? I think it does, because now we're into the regular repo market, repo market operation, where most of the trades for the day have already been done. So if you're waiting to the last minute and then having the scramble for collateral, that sounds like, I'll say it again, very heightened tensions. It's not really tensions as much as a collateral shortfall. Why is there a collateral shortfall to begin with? It has to do with the fact that collateral acts as a currency, as I said, and I can't get into all the details here because it's incredibly complex. So I'll try to paint the picture for you from bank numbers. Uh, I'm just going to draw from a small sample of bank balance sheets, as I've done re I've done in the past before. Uh, Morgan Stanley, for example, using their 2022 annual report. Now, as a money dealer, Morgan Stanley has the right to receive and then reuse the collateral it gets on behalf or, or, or to hold in custody for some of its customers. It also borrows collateral too. And what they, if you go deep into the footnotes of the uh, annual report, what you'll see is that as of the end of last year, they had $637.9 billion worth of collateral at fair value that they could reuse or sell at their discretion. That's less than the $672.1 billion the year before. And of the $637.9 billion they had available at the end of last year, they did use $486.8 billion. Yes, billion, half a trillion. They used half a trillion in collateral that came to them that doesn't really belong to them. That's less than the $510 billion they used the year before. Even though their demand for repo went up, the amount of collateral they could reuse, including for their own repo book, went down. JP Morgan, big numbers. At the end of last year, it had, it had the right to reuse and repledge $1.35 trillion in collateral. That's less than the $1.47 trillion they had the year before. Of that, they did use $1.02 trillion which is only marginally less than the $1.11 trillion they used the year before. Uh, Goldman Sachs, $971.7 billion they had the rights to reuse as the end of last year. That's compared to $1.06 trillion the year before. They did use $797.9 billion at the end of last year. That's lot, much less than the $875.2 billion the year before. A lot less collateral that's being available to be reused. A lot less, not as much less, but somewhat less collateral that is actually reused. Why? Well, we know the market values because these are all fair values have gone down, but that doesn't answer our question. Because as you look at, uh, again, JP Morgan, the market value of collateral they had available to use went down. 
So they use more. They have the ability to make up for market value shortfalls. Why aren't they doing it? What's really going on here? I'll give you one last example, Credit Suisse. Its final uh, annual report showed not huge numbers, but 150.2 billion Swiss francs worth of collateral available to be reused. That was almost half of what they had the year before into 2021, which is 289.9 billion, of which they did reuse last year, 75 billion, which is almost half of what they had used at the end of 2021, 144.7 billion. There's more going on here than the loss of fair value in safe instruments. Dealers are becoming more risk averse. That's become more risk averse. Lessons of Bear Stearns. Hoard cash, hoard collateral. And if they're hoarding cash and hoarding collateral, there isn't enough in circulation for everyone else, which triggers these scrambles or runs on collateral. And the fact that we're seeing them today Two weeks later, more than two weeks after SVB, more than two weeks, or actually two weeks after the bottleneck, March 15th bottleneck, we're still in the after, very heightened tensions. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as our research subscribers. Until next time, take care.